City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, City Limits on the air. We've made it through the acres and acres. We've found our way through the smog. We're in in India at the moment, of course, in Delhi. It's absolutely (laughs) extraordinary. Kids have been sent home from school. They're not allowed to go to school because of, uh, we mentioned this last week, because of the incredible smog situation. The in Melbourne, point. is that true? No, Delhi, Delhi. Oh, Delhi, oh right, Delhi, right, right. Delhi, but yeah. we, well, we're just talking about smog. It's mm. all, yeah, little. Mm. That was Megan, who's back. Uh, Meg's back. Um, mm. Meg Kimber, you know? who's been away, been um, in Portland, not Portland, Victoria, of course, but no. Portland, Oregon. Someone did think that I was going to Portland, Victoria <laughs> for a month, and they said, why are you doing that? I didn't know there was a Portland in Victoria, so. <laughs> uh, just to watch a bit of pollution around the aluminium smoker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my next holiday is, is there. That's where I'm planning it. And Meg's actually sitting in the um, panel chair today, panelling for us. And, yes, I am. And thankfully, Andy is Andy's right in the shadowing studio me. as well. He's around the place. He's supposed to be working today, but he's obviously given up work totally. That's it. Good idea. Yeah. He's working here. This is <laughs> a valuable, true. That's true. important that's true. job. Um, now, we're going to pour some tea. You want a cup of tea, Meg? Yes, now please. Back. I mean, Thank that's you. Good. That's mm-hmm. great to hear. There we go. First cup. Second cup. Oh, that was good. A bit of a clink, that bit of authenticity there. Nothing like it. There you are. Thank you very much. Radio. And on the show today, it is the third Wednesday of the month, and we're having uh, housing. And uh, Crystal McDonald, I'm pretty sure her name's McDonald, is coming in from Housing with the Aged Action Group. April's got another meeting, but Crystal's one of the workers there and is going to talk about her work and general as- general aspects of what's going on. But there's heaps of stuff on housing we can talk about, and I'm mm. sure... Um, there are some interesting housing developments and events taking place in Portland, are there not? I mean, are they, or yeah, I managed to... Um, or am I making that up? No, a friend of mine works for uh, or volunteers with a group that is looking at... Well, they refer to it as houselessness because some people have homes but they're not permanent homes. Mm. They're tents or campsites and things like that. So there are some interesting things happening. The Parks Department in Portland is working with community groups because a lot of people are basically sleeping rough or camping in public land or in parks and and reserves. So um, there's this kind of movement to try to engage people in in caring about the area where they live and training staff and and members of the community about how to um, talk to and relate to people in 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 public spaces who are sleeping sleeping rough. So, mm. really interesting program, like giving giving parks staff training in how to approach carefully and thoughtfully when they come across someone who's living in mm. the bush. Yeah. Bit different to Robert Doyle's orders to the coppers in Melbourne. Pretty different, a pretty different approach. Because I mean, uh, Portland, similar to Melbourne, has a really 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 big housing. Uh, problem in terms of accessibility, affordability and just the amount of housing that's available is not enough mm. to meet the demand. So it, it's one of it's regarded as one of the more prosperous of American cities, isn't it? Yes Portland? it is. Yeah. Which is I mean which is why I mean a lot of people are drawn to come and live there and so there's been a gentrification process which has pushed a lot of people 
at the bottom of the housing market, basically. Mm. So, and America is such a tough country if you're out of work or if you have an injury or an illness. And that's usually what, what happens is that yeah. people find that they actually can't afford to live, which is, you know, happens in Melbourne also. Every yeah. answer develops a new question. When you say yeah. injured, or, you know, injured particularly, if yeah. people get injured at work, are they covered like our work cover system in any way? Or it depends. Are they left stranded? It depends. Some people, it depends on the, the nature of the work and whether it's permanent and whether as part of that work you have um, insurance. Some jobs give you insurance. So basically, if you have full-time work and it's mm. permanent, you have health insurance. So the health time. insurance covers your work injury. Is <laughs> no, is there, is there no work injury type scheme that we have here Not that I'm aware of, no. 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 I might be wrong. And yeah. each state is a little bit different, and Portland is one of the better states, which is why a lot of people are drawn to go there. Mm. I mean, even yeah. our scheme is pretty poor because they keep cutting back on it, and etc. Yeah, but, I don't um, know nonetheless, much yeah. about yeah. it here either. I've never had to use it. Yeah, that's mm. well. <laughs> keep keep hoping. <laughs> keep hoping. One day, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the amount of work you do, there's not much chance, is there? <laughs> ah, mm. that, that, that slipped out. It was a terrible thing to say. That was. That was. I, I, now I feel so embarrassed having said that. You can see me blushing. Can you? Uh, um, okay. A couple of things today. We do our usual start with the Herald Sun because it's interesting. The the other night on telly there was a very good piece on one of the newsers, and in the age on yesterday morning, uh, from parks to parkour, a vision of life under Skyrail, and they talked about the very thing that um, John Stone from Melbourne Uni has mentioned a couple of times on this program, mm-hmm. that the Skyrail, in fact, allows all that land underneath to become available for the community, and you mm-hmm. can you can run buses in there and even coordinate timetables, believe it or not, oh. uh, have pedestrian paths, bike paths, and that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're making parkland and all these parks, and there's mm-hmm. going to be a linear strip right along that uh, that railway line under the railway, hmm. um, and there's 4,000 trees going in. There's going to be, they reckon it's going to be 11 MCGs worth of new open space. Hmm. And the age is making out that, you know, making the point, just telling the story pretty straight and it's going to be pretty good, but not the old Herald Sun, which is, you know, absolutely, totally, again, you know, it's sky rail to it, or whatever they call the bloody thing. <laughs> and um, it's just all about graffiti and how the walls there are open to graffiti, etc. Now, it's doing graffiti in a general sense on ra- public, on railway land in particular, but it's really stressing on the... Um, on the uh, ra- sky rail, as, the, the, as they, they're calling it. And um, mm. so uh, no mention of this parkland and the fact that all this is going to happen, um, just mm. that it's another, yet another attack on the whole bloody scheme. I just thought that was a, the typical Herald Sun coverage. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. What is, I don't remember hearing about the sky rail. Oh, but sky rails where this happened while I was away. No, or? it's been no. it's been happening for ages. But it's, no. it's the Herald Sun loads it. It's they're actually <laughs> in, instead of the railway crossings they're removing uh, going oh, under, mm-hmm. they're actually going over. Mm-hmm. And they say they can therefore, you know, there was one even someone said that pedophiles could ride the train and look in backyards, oh. perving on children, this sort of thing, a terrible thing. Now there's these sort of things all over Melbourne. In fact, there's Caulfield, there's Sun Round, Rushall, Clifton Hill area. Um, yeah. Um, you know, you, all I, I can't think of any others at the top of my head at the moment, but there's mm-hmm. quite a number of them all over the place, and yet they're carrying on, and they do open up this land and it is going to turn into all this parkland. So it's a great benefit to the community, and mm. I think in the end the community will realise that, but, mm. you know, they're being led by this. They're not reading the Herald Sun. No, no, yeah. they're not reading the Herald Sun. Mm. Okay, speaking of not reading, yes, yeah, so if you read the Herald Sun, you would never have known 
that well, you would have known it was Cup Day last Tuesday. You would have got picked that up probably. Um, the 148 Cup pages day. probably helped you pick it up. But. <laughs> As a, I'm, I don't know anything about horse racing, and I, I've never understood what the appeal was about the cup. Oh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell Very you sometime. <laughs> Raised in a racing family, I'll yeah, tell totally. you sometime. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, and I do, I, I have a bit of a conflict here because I do agree with people who say it can be cruel to animals as well or it's cruel to animals, but it's mm. a real problem. But anyway. Did you watch uh, it? I, of course, yes. But right. um, the, the fact that the same day, now, you would have, as I said, you would have known it was the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. You might have found it a bit more difficult to know that the same day by the, by the date on our Western calendar was the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution. Oh, um, wasn't aware of that. That didn't get a lot of coverage. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. um, and I did point out on the week that was last week, and I'm now diverting madly, but um, 50 years ago we had an all-night party celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Russian Revolution, and it would happen to coincide with the Cup Day as well, huh. and then went straight to the Melbourne Cup, <laughs> but then didn't didn't take the obvious omen tip when Red Handed beat Red Crest. We didn't wow. even take the Quinella. Wow. But this year there was a horse called Red Cardinal, so those who took my tips about the omen tip every 50 years yep. – Lost their money. Oh. Um, anyway, they've been that's calling uh, in, haven't they? That's that year. Yeah. They've oh, hundreds, of, hundreds of calls. <laughs> <laughs> Our usual hundreds of calls. Um, now the financial review cupboard. It's sort of last Friday in its lift out review. They have a review section on literature and things every Friday, oh. and it's the utopia that turned into hell, written by the right wing writer Martin Amos. And it starts, it was not a good idea that somehow went wrong or withered away. It was a very bad idea from the outset and one forced into life or the life of the undead with barely imaginable self-righteous pedantry, dynamism and horror. The chief demerit of the Marxist program was its point-by-point defiance of human nature. Bolshevik leaders subliminally grasped the con, etc. And that's just the opening. There is, it is just a complete a complete put-down entirely of the entire Russian Revolution and the people involved. Now, I don't deny that, you know, things went bad and it, it ended up setting a bad example. Mm. But his point is, um, as I see it, totally wrong. He talks about, and I want to pick up his point about the fact that it denied human nature. Now, um, Marx Marx and both and Engels also both made the point that human nature is developed by your means of production. So in a capitalist society, human nature is developed by the very dog-eat-dog natures of capitalism. Mm. And you get workers who support the system that oppresses them. Mm. But in other societies, you know, throughout, throughout history, um, different societies have a different nature based much on their means of production. You have a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, an agrarian society is much more passive than a hunting society, for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm. I th- and I think, by the way, that it's, it's a real problem for counter-revolution because you have to get through a generation or two of people starting to think with a different sort of nature under yeah. a social society, and that's the biggest barrier, as I see it. Mm. But... It, it is wrong to say that human nature somehow is natural, that we all love yeah. capitalism and yeah. dog eat dog. But then yeah. that article, so that article went on for two or three pages, it goes on inside. But then after that, there's an article about utopia itself and how, it, how the original utopia was a bit of a satire anyway. But how liberals can regain hope. And he quotes Cicero, this is a Philip Collins writing this, Cicero, Lincoln, Jefferson, all those usual right, um, people they quote. 
And he says populists pretend that politics is easy and that there is no need for complicating procedures. It's no accident that Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, Alex Cyprus in Greece and approved hopeless in office. The failure was baked into their arrogance. He also mentions Trump in that line, by the way. Hmm. But, you know, Chavez, I think, did bloody great things for Venezuela, actually. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone wrong mainly because the Yanks are doing all they can, as they did in Chile, to bring down the system and bring hmm. down the economy. Um, but this one concludes that um, our our way of life is the you know, the most mm. utopian you can get, and it's all very wonderful. So you got those two articles side by side mm. as their contribution to the Russian Revolution. Just thought I'd mention that in passing. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Yeah, it's a classic kind of a move to just talk about the current sort of economic system yeah. as if it's um, self-evident and it's obvious that that's the best sort of system. Absolutely. Yeah. That, yes, that, no. Like it's always been like that's that, right. which it hasn't at all. No. And how come then people, there are people who are homeless, unemployed in yeah. the system that's the greatest little economic order of them all? I yeah. have difficulty with that one. Yeah. But still, it's good to get your own workers saying how good you are. Um, a couple of ads in the last few days... Um, Australian banks belong to you. <laughs> and they, this one's got Subra Chandra of ANZ, and they had another one from another bank where another worker was, uh, and I presume they're just, these are just uh, your average worker in the bank. Um, but it's interesting, he says Australian banks don't keep all their profits. Nearly 80% goes straight back to shareholders, including Australians just like you. And then it goes on about how it's mums and dads, the usual lines they have. Yeah. Um, and through super, you know, workers get it, et cetera. So the banks belong to you. Well, that means if they do, we could, should you just walk in and get our money? Shouldn't we just go <laughs> in and take take our money? And without yeah. Having to, yeah. Just say, well, it's our money. Thanks, it's mine. Thank mm. you very much. So they got these workers. But it's interesting that this worker and the worker from the other bank said exactly the same thing word for word. Word for oh, word. Wow. Isn't that interesting? They yes. probably caught up and chatted before. They, they must have, the yes. Got together yeah. and said, let's put an ad in the paper. And yeah. Then that's, yeah, on behalf of our employer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A full that's page ad, too. Full page yeah. ad, that's it's right. It's pretty expensive, I reckon. Oh, it is. But still, it's worth it to let people know that we all own the banks, and that's wonderful. <laughs> um, and then I picked up this at the bank the other day, and I thought it was fascinating. We are here to support customers affected by domestic and family violence. Commonwealth Bank is committed to being part of a movement to end domestic and family violence in a generation. Isn't it wonderful? And it tells you what you can do. You can ring up and get advice. Um, Then there's little asterisks like uh, customers may access the package only once, etc. So if if the the violence goes on, well, bad luck. (laughs) But but isn't it good that the bank's really caring about the community all over the place? It is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I must. Andy's looking pretty impressed. Well, I mean, Andy's probably thinking, well, if it's his bank, he can go down and get some money out. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Andy doesn't have a mic, but yeah. No, but he just said, I yeah. wish. I think people probably heard that because he, <laughs> <laughs> he's really wishing that boy. <laughs> okay. Um, now, again, the Herald Sun's come up. Well, I suppose we're back to the Herald Sun. This editorial, which appeared yesterday, yesterday again. Um, and it's headed Dan's Big Green Gamble. Dan, of course, as we know, is always, once it's there, it's a pejorative. Dan, you know. Who yeah. is Dan? The Premier. He's the Premier. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Glad well, you're... you know. Yeah. <laughs> how, how long are you away for again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did just move to Victoria this year. But yeah. Dan is a very friendly kind of a way of oh, referring not, not to... Not the Herald Sun. Right. No, They're no, pretty no. pally then, are no, they? No, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, the Andrews government is in a race to the left 
against the Greens to try to secure inner city seats. In the lead up to Saturday's Northcote by-election, Victoria Labor has painted itself a deep verdant hue. (laughs) Now listen to these. Now which, uh, can you think of anything worse? Backing a plastic bag ban. (gasps) Oh my God. Well, Andrew Boltz wrote an article in this very same paper saying that plastic bags actually are good for the environment. Ah. So that's uh, that settled that argument. Wow. Yeah. War is yeah. also peace. Yeah, good old, yeah. that's right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, he did also oppose the um, anti-nuclear people getting the Nobel Peace Prize because <laughs> because the biggest the biggest barrier to people going to war is nuclear war, nuclear oh, bombs, you see, they, no. they stop you going. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Mentioned that last week with Dave... Dave um, Dave um, Dave Sweeney from the Australian Conservation Foundation. Um, now, okay, second thing, backflipping on a heroin safe injecting room trial. Oh. Oh, backflipping. What does that mean? Which way are they flipping? Against well, they, or for? Well, they, 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 they went to, in the election, they said they wouldn't, but now they They said they, they wouldn't. They, they are now going to be good. But they're, and they're saying, you know, they're, they're, they're what they call a backflip. They're saying they've changed their mind because of you know, little insubstantial matters like the facts. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yep. yeah. Politicians the, would always stick to their that's promises, right, that's right, the regardless of yeah. Well, on the other hand, of course, they tell them they have to break their promise not to build the east-west link because mm-hmm. it's essential. So, on one hand, they tell them you, you've got to. They attack them for not breaking a promise, then attack them for breaking a promise. But mm. that's that's the Herald Sun, isn't it? It's got it all sorted out. And the third one, this one is really going to, and this is going to affect our our subject today, housing. And this, mm. I can't think of anything worse than this. Mm. Listen to this. And resetting the balance of tenancy laws heavily in favour of renters over landlords. <laughs> I mean, how bad can a government get? <laughs> oh gosh! Does it really say that? It does say that. Yes. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yes. I so. guess they know who their um, readers are, then, don't they? I, I'm, I'm, so, well, I'm guessing there's not a lot of renters that read it. Maybe. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of readers that yeah. read it, but somehow they they paint. You know, they they <clears throat> they want them to be aspirational or something. Oh, yeah. I want the readers to be aspirational toward being landlords or something. Mm. Um, it's viewed and goes on. I mean, you can from that point you can imagine what they're saying. So I don't think we need to read on. I've noticed um, that um, rental issues, housing issues, are key policy areas for the Northcote by-election. Yes, yeah, they are. In fact, we might ask Krista when she comes in if she knows much about that because yeah. they seem to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a big issue there mm-hmm. in homelessness, and all the the mm-hmm. major candidates, all the candidates I've heard of. Have certainly raised it as a serious problem. Mm. Um, this is an interesting little piece, I think. Um, Lindsay Tanner, now he was the uh, finance minister under the federal Labor government uh, going back. Lindsay Tanner was uh, always claimed to be a great left-wing thinker in the socialist left of the ALP. Mm-hmm. And in, in one decent thing he did do, the very right-wing Clark's Union, he actually organised a campaign there and uh, overthrew the right wing and became the secretary of the Clark's Union many years oh. ago, none of which is mentioned in this article. Yeah. But then after becoming, he somehow as finance minister, he seemed much more interested in preserving capitalism than uh, overthrowing it, oh, uh, hmm. which he'd always 
has claimed he wanted to do when he was a younger bloke. Yeah. He's now the president. He's now the chair of the Essendon Football Club. Yeah. Um, but it, the good news is he's been appointed a non-executive director at banking and insurance group Suncorp. The appointment fills a vacancy created by such and such. He served, as it tells you what he served, he's appointed to the board of airline Virgin Australia in 2012 and has served as chairman of the Mitchell Institute for Health and Education Research at Victoria University. Uh, Suncor said Tanner had strong business credentials. Since leaving Parliament more than seven years ago, Mr Tanner has built a diverse portfolio of business roles, including involvement in mergers and acquisitions, advisory, fintech, life insurance and cyber security businesses. Also works as a special advisor for investment bank Lazard Australia, been a director of Victorian International Container Terminal since last year and also made a director of data security startup Covata. He brings a wide range of relevant public and private sector experience in financial services with an acute appreciation of the technological, regulatory and political changes shaping the industry. Suncor Chair Ziggy Switkowski said he's a great believer, of course, in uranium. He began his career as a personal injuries lawyer at Holding Redlick, and that's when I first knew him, and previously served as a director at Insurance Broker Life Broker and as chairman of industry group the Australian Railways Association, and shares closed, etc. It doesn't mention he was ever secretary uh, of the Clarks Union. I don't know why that didn't get mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but just to see where some people go. This that was might a have great... been left off the Wikipedia yes. explanation. Yes, he used to write page. great thought pieces about socialism and how we can achieve it when he was a young man. But Maybe he's got maybe. one. Maybe he's got a big, big plan. Of yeah, now, maybe. what did he say? He's in charge of Essendon. Yeah, maybe yeah, Essendon Footy Club. Essendon maybe, footy maybe, club. maybe he's maybe, maybe he's going to socialise football. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Trojan horse. He's had this like fifty-year yeah. plan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the 150th anniversary of the Russian Revolution, yeah. <laughs> the Essendon Football Club <laughs> will overthrow capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's yeah, that may, you may have sold. Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay, glad you're back thinking about this. You want a bit more tea, by the way? How's your tea going? I'm all right, thanks. Okay, don't you like it? No, 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 no. Um, just enough. Now the other one is last week, uh, or a week before now, probably a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, when that bloke um, drove a truck and killed a number of people and a so-called terrorist, uh, and then got shot by the coppers, and he's been recovering in hospital. Um, the the president of the United States tweeted that he should get the death penalty, uh, <gasps> and he was immediate. The first thing was terrorists should get the death penalty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Now, last mm. week, when a white bloke burst into a church and mm. shot up the congregation, mm. uh, Donald said it had nothing to do with guns, other mm-hmm. than the fact that he used one to kill them, but that seemed irrelevant apparently. Mm. Uh, but it was to do with mental health. Um, mm. And if that's the case, Donald's in a deep, deep degree of trouble, I would have thought. But anyway, <laughs> um, mental health. But he wasn't a terrorist. Mm. Um, and in fact, recently, the, the late, the most recent of these whites who go and just shoot up madly on gun sprees in America, mm. and they happen much more than we get in Australia because they're happening almost every day, I think, aren't they? But uh, anyway, the, 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 yeah. yeah, the five of the worst um, home like shootings on uh, American soil by Americans is. Um, have happened in the last, I don't know what it was, in the, maybe the last five years or something like that. And it has mm. been, it has happened now since laws about certain types of weapons have changed because there was a, I don't know the details, but there was a, a, a law, I think maybe about semi-automatic weapons, and that like um, expired in, I don't know, about five years ago or so. and um, And since then... 
there've been more shootings. So <clears throat> it's it's awful. People yeah. in America feel you know, it's 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 reported about in the rest of the world and same similarly with Donald Donald Trump and uh, I hear more about Donald Trump here than I do did when I was in America, mm. but the the feeling of the effect of that kind of governance is very uh, palpable almost. You can see that people are are feeling really sad, actually. It's quite, um, you know, it's a real concern to people over there. And especially in terms of personal safety, but also safety for, for vulnerable people, people who, you know, are homeless or have disabilities or um, are refugees or migrants or illegal immigrants or what they call illegal immigrants. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's interesting, but it just yeah, and of course, so those people though are not terrorists. You've got to be, you've got to be an Arab, presumably of some sort. Yeah, have a beard. Yeah, um, and if you kill, you're a terrorist, yeah. and you deserve the death penalty. If you're white and do it, yeah, uh, you've got a bit of a problem. But um, yeah. yeah, I think they, I think the shooting in uh, Las Vegas, uh, police officials called that an act of terror, and um, Donald Trump is his own kind of uh, has his own take on things yeah, yeah. Have, for those who get killed i would have thought the results you know mm-hmm. a bit the same it's sort of pyrrhic as to whether it's yeah. terrorist or not isn't it yep yep yeah. yeah yeah all right and just um i'm not i suppose uh, crystal will be here shortly so we'll just keep raving on a bit but um you'll be pleased to know that the desalination plant operator company R, ah, right um wants to um what is chart wants the government to pay it back forty two million because it it was the, for the first time ever this year it um, was asked to actually supply some water but it had problems with um, yep what's that no no you're okay right. okay mm-hmm. you're looking at the screen I wonder mm-hmm. what's going on it had <laughs> it had problems with a power blackout or power failure and it couldn't supply it and it was charged forty two million under the contract but it's demanding it back what I found interesting though when this whole article was. Um, it, uh, despite the power outage, Aquasure, this is the company running the diesel plant, run by mostly French and other companies around the place, uh, Aquasure posted its best ever profit of $102.5 million in the year to June 30. Now, that's not yeah. a bad effort, $102.5 million huh. without supplying one drop of water. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, this is a desalination plant that I heard so much about when I first moved down, to Melbourne. People were really up in arms about it. Well, it's on a beautiful beach. It's a magnificent surf <laughs> beach. It's, it's dangerous as all, but it's a lovely beach. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, might go and, I might go visit the desalination plant yeah, on my way yeah, to Portland, yeah, Victoria, yeah. next time I go on holiday. We sort of yeah. got in one time, but then we got, once we got to a certain point and we couldn't prove we were workers, they wouldn't let us go any further. Oh, really? Yeah. So you actually went out and had a look at After, it? Oh, I went to a couple of rallies down there, but then we okay. were staying... Saying it with a friend who's got a um, a house down the around the around the road a bit in the yeah. beach, uh, Cape Patterson, and we went we went and tried to get into the place. Uh, when we got we got so far, but then they tweaked we weren't workers and. Oh, yeah. interesting. So anyway, yeah. This, this is when this it was, was the being construction, built. Yeah, the construction right. stage. Yeah. Right. 
And it has been fully constructed now, but it's, it's not, not but operational. It's never, never, well, it never needed to provide water, and they say that parts are rusting, etc., all this sort of stuff. And, and of course, when it, if it does ever work, then all the brine it collects is thrown back into the ocean and will completely destroy the ecology of the water mm. around there. So it's just and a disaster. Apparently, around. I mean, I don't know much about this, but apparently um, Victorian uh, water up in the Dandenongs and that kind of area... Um, where mm. they want, where the Greens and the Wilderness Society and, and other groups want to do the Great Forest yeah. National Park, yeah. there's a huge amount of of water from there that services most of Melbourne, yeah. Yeah. which is, makes up Melbourne one of the yeah. most water secure yes, cities the in the upper world. Yarra provides, yeah. yeah, that's right. The Board so, of Works for many years had you know ran it up there, and they did a bloody good job of it. They could you know, save yeah, a lot of money yeah. not logging that area and and. Retaining the water they could, capacity they there. Could indeed. Yeah, they could, it's a yes, little plug exactly. for the Great Forest National Park. <laughs> now we've got a couple of things to read out here because we know that uh, in half an hour or so, in thirty-one minutes, according to our clock, they're going to announce the result of the um, same-sex marriage um, survey. postal survey. Uh, non, anyway, um, at ten a.m. Um, so supporters will be gathering. For the announcement at the State Library, well, they're now, so they'll be there at 10, but we hope people, at, after 10, when we finish, will then go and do it, mm-hmm. of course, or, or <laughs> listen, to us, listen to us on the way or something. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a, a marriage equality street party at the Trades Hall at 5.30 today, um, and um, the other events um, today at 5.30 at the Trades Hall one, the Melbourne result announced after party, celebrating love, celebrating all the work, etc., etc., Come together for entertainment, drinks, food, community and more. So it's um, 5.30, the street party at Trades Hall. I think everyone knows where Trades Hall is in Melbourne. Um, and um, the State Library now, up till, up till noon, there'll be people there and all sorts of events taking place. So if people want to go and mm-hmm. celebrate all that, so it'll be pretty good. Yep, and we've got. Look, we'll take a quick break because mm-hmm. we've got a message coming in the door and all sorts of things and we'll mm-hmm. find out what's actually going on in this world. I think Chris is nearly here, yep. Okay, and on the line we have uh, Crystal McDonald. Crystal McDonald's your name, isn't it? Crystal McDonald. That's, that's right. right yeah. That's right. <laughs> At least I get your name right. Um, and Crystal is from Housing with the Aged Action Group. We normally have April Bragg come in or Jeff Fiedler, but April's uh, got a meeting somewhere. Jeff's given us the big flick, and uh, <laughs> and therefore Crystal's turned up. Crystal, um, we we we're going to talk at start at least about your role there. What is your role at the Housing with the Aged Action Group? So I do the um, the data reports and the communications. Right. Oh, sorry, um, can I interrupt you here? I just want to let you know we've also got uh, Meg Kimber in here in the hi, studio. Crystal. So she's the other hi, voice Meg. you'll hear. Yeah, there you are. Okay. Now, yeah. sorry. Keep going. <laughs> and just everybody else who's listening too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I do the um, communications work here um, with a few others and the data reports. So um, I used to be a housing support worker um, and I used to also do the intake work as well. So I've done a few roles here. Mm-hmm. And... Well, let's go back to that, the housing support work. I mean, that's a pretty tough job, I would have thought. What's, what's that involved? Oh, wow, yeah. It's incredibly tough. I mean, I only did it um, on the, the front line for like six months um, when April went on a bit of leave years ago, and um, it was intense. Like, um, you know, aside from just the, the personal crisis that you know, for people that you're, you're trying to kind of help them through, it's also just the, the driving around on outreach as well. Um, so it's very tiring. It's very a lot of work involved with the case notes. Mm. Um, so it's incredible that um, you know, like I said, that was years ago. Now the caseloads for these workers are, are much higher. Um, the, the work's very much still in demand, and it's amazing that they can achieve what they do, house as many people as they do. Mm. 
how do you, when it comes to the crunch, I mean, how do you get to house people when you're in that job, when you're in that situation? Well, it, it comes, I mean, obviously, because because we're not a crisis service, we, we house people into long-term um, affordable housing that's suitable for older people. So there's quite a few criteria there already. Um, we don't try and, and put them into private rental because it's not uh, long-term, it's not affordable, um, and it's not usually appropriate for older people. So um, we we have to follow certain guidelines because what we're trying to get people into is either public housing or social housing. Um, and when you talk about public housing, um, the guidelines are pretty clear um, and we know how to work within them. Um, the application process um, is quite lengthy, but uh, doing it day in, day out, our workers are really very good at it. Um, and they also have they've established relationships over the years with the housing workers from the different um, housing offices. So it, it really does come down to the experience that we've had. They've kind of, um, I'd say that our workers are specialists in the field, especially because we work with such a unique cohort. We're not just working with the general population. We're working specifically mm. with over 55. Yeah, so you've got to know a lot about um, the, the ins and outs of what's needed for those people. Mm. and what's available for them, which is dwindling now. Yeah, that's um, something we were talking about earlier in the show, Crystal, was um, that housing accessibility and affordability is a big part of, um, or and also um, renters' rights is a big part of the conversation around the Northcote by-election that's happening at the moment. And yeah. I'm just wondering how that's, uh, if there's any kind of interaction with your organisation and, and any of those kind of issues in relation to this by-election. Um, not so much with the by-election. We've we've been promoting things like um, the campaigns around that and the mm-hmm. campaigns to save the um, public housing estates mm-hmm. um, that are up in much for redevelopment. Mm-hmm. So um, more so we're trying to, as, as we always have, um, promote that public housing really is the, the number one option for, for older people, mm-hmm. um, followed by social housing. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. sorry, can... What was the question? There, I guess I've noticed that there's a lot of conversation it, from the Northcote by-election. A lot of candidates are talking about renters' rights and things like oh, that. Yeah, I haven't right. noticed yeah. people really talking about um, social housing or public housing as much. But so, just, yeah, wondering yeah. if any candidates are engaging with you or that kind of thing, if, if you're noticing a bit more um, awareness around the issues. At all. Um, a little bit more because of the recent um, Residential Tenancies Act review and the right. changes to that, yeah. um, probably not engaging with us as much because we do um, state that, you know, we try to go for public housing and social housing mm-hmm. and that renting's not usually the most appropriate option. However, when people are in it, there's definitely things that are needed, mm. um, especially for older renters. And um, insofar as renters' rights, um, the right to have a pet has been quite a big thing for our mm. um, mm-hmm clients mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the reasons as well why people end up homeless because they can't keep mm. their little family their fur family mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. um, there's such great support for them yeah. um, so yeah. those changes were very welcome mm-hmm. um, and just the security of tenure that they, that you know doesn't really exist um, it does in other countries yeah. um, I think like students and and pensioners I think in Scandinavian countries kind of get a of um, permanent or ongoing tenancies, mm. um, but we have no reason, no to vacate, um, mm-hmm. and it just can happen at the drop of the hat. So, 
um, there's a lot to be done in the in the area of renters' rights still. You mentioned, uh, Crystal, that um, the needs of older people, that's an interesting point, isn't it? If you're finding accommodation for older people, for many of them, they also therefore need all sorts of aids and helps um, to be able to exist in a house anyway, Um, all those things that we know, whether things at the shower and all that sort of thing, that allow people to exist. Uh, Is that more difficult to to achieve when you're trying to place people? Um, Everybody obviously has very varied needs, Um, a lot of the people, most of the people that we're trying to assist um, can live independently and we're trying to help them get into independent living. Um, but there are some that need those that further help mm. um, and there are options to kind of assist them into as well. But there's always things like council home help um, and other services that we link people into locally. Um, so we, we make sure that they're well connected into their community we're trying to keep them in the same community as well, wherever possible, yeah. um, where they're close to family and friends. But where necessary, yeah, there's definitely services around that can assist. Um, but also the housing design plays a big role in that um, because if it's if it's suitable to all abilities, like you don't have a, a shower you need to step up into, mm-hmm. like over the bar, um, and there's grab rails or the ability to put them in and there's no steps, then, of course, the person's able to live mm-hmm. in that house much more... Um, Safely, much easier, yeah, safely. safely. Um, yes. But yeah. It, well, I mean, it's not an option if that person can't isn't as mobile. Um, they just can't live in those. It limits their housing options. So a person's able to live independently if their house is designed appropriately. We were quoting earlier that repository of deep thinking, the Herald Sun editorial um, from yesterday's Herald Sun. Um, and it, it pointed out what a dreadful person Dan is. Dan, they always call him Dan, um, the pejorative, and um, they say they've been raced to the left against the Greens to try to secure the by-election, but they pointed out three things they've done to show just how bad this government is, and we named them. They are backing a plastic bag ban, um, backflipping on a heroin-safe injecting room trial, and this is the one that I think you'll realise just shows how bad the government is, resetting the balance of tenancy laws heavily in favour of renters over landlords, Crystal. Is that... Oh, I mean, heavily. Mm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how disastrous is this government with all that? Oh, and it's from the Herald Sun, so it has to be totally accurate as Absolutely well. on the spot, on the ball. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, it, it's it's just trying to weight it slightly more towards balance, but nowhere near balance. It's definitely not in the in the tenant's favour. Um, no, not at all. It never will be. It's, it's a private market. It can't be. Mm. Yeah, so um, so you, what, do you actually disagree with the editorial? <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And your current job then, which is, you say, communications and data, etc., what's that involved? Oh, well, kind of... Like speaking spectrum. speaking on here's <laughs> communications, I guess. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's that. Um, so I like it because, you know, the communications, it's creative. I do the annual reports and all the, you know, the brochures and flyers and work on social media and the website. Um, and then the other side of it's a very, very, very boring, dry data work, mm-hmm. but I also enjoy that. So it's very rational, but very creative as well. Um, so I put together the, the figures of, um, you know, what we, our outcomes. Um, how much we spend, who we house, where we house them, where they come from, um, mm. age, all of that. So it's really interesting. Um, yeah, and I've been doing that for a little while now. Mm. So you would know, you, you would have a good knowledge of um, how much uh, 
housing there is available out there because that's part of the conversation about public housing and social housing, isn't it? Like that move again, like from public housing to social housing and the, mm. there's just not enough of it. What do you think? Yes, the What are the kind of vacancy rates and what? how many more, how much more public housing do you think is necessary to house everybody in need? Thousands and right. thousands. It's... Yeah. Um, the, I'm not across the vacancy rates because I'm not a housing worker currently, yeah. um, but I know that they're very, very low. And mm-hmm. it obviously, it, it changes um, suburb to suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some clients, when they come in, they'll say, you know, I, I, I have to live in this area because that's where my mm-hmm. children are and they'll look after me. Mm-hmm. And our workers will have to say, if you say that that's the area you want, you'll be waiting years. Mm. Um, you know, so we really try to encourage people, sadly, to move out of their comfort zone. Mm. Um, well, at least to be open to it, else they'll be stuck either homeless or in private rental. Mm. Um, and it's really not not on. Um, mm. These The redevelopment, they're promising to increase the, the, the stock of public housing and social housing units, but it's really not... Um, it's, it's actually, I heard a report saying that as far as bedrooms go, so people in rooms, it's actually less. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, but people with, you know, people with three or four kids who need three or four bedrooms, they're just yes. not going to have any accommodation at all. No, and that's, mm. you know, there's, that's obviously just one, one narrow kind of area yeah. of, of yeah. people. And, of course, you know, people can share bedrooms. It's not really about that. It's about um, we need more. Mm-hmm. And it's not the, not the same, not squishing people into smaller properties. Um, mm-hmm. We just need more and that's where we need to invest the money. Yeah, in fact, recently um, at the, well, I don't know how recent it was back, I was like a couple of months ago now, but Jeremy Corbyn, when he's addressed to the uh, Labor Annual Conference, um, addressed this situation and he said... Um, he said regeneration screens too often means forcing gentrification and social cleansing as private developers move in and tenants and leaseholders are moved out. Um, and so he, he attacked what he calls um, lend leases, well, Australian company lend leases over there, replacing a former council housing estate with a mix mm-hmm. of luxury and so-called affordable housing. And that was Corbyn's reaction to it. It too often means forced gentrification, social cleansing, etc. Um, Hang on, you've yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, that's what's happening. It's, and what the, the, I know that there has to be a way to afford these. You know, houses just can't be built. Um, mm. Affordable housing just can't be provided. There needs to be funding for it, and this is a way to do that. But it's not the only way. And if we sell these off, um, there, what what land will we have left? What other sites will we have left for public housing in the future? Once it's gone, it's gone. Mm. Um, and it's private, so it, it's um, and it does. They they say it's a encouraging a mix of um, public and private. It's a it's a good thing. It's a social mix, but it doesn't. We've seen it happen where um, the the public housing tenants are often looked down upon. Mm. Um, they're kind of bullied into cleaning up the place or cleaning themselves up. Um, mm. It it doesn't really work. Um, mm. Always, not always. No, that's um, I believe. The Rathdown Street Estate one's a good example where they've effectively divided the two. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not actually double. too familiar with yeah, that well, one. Yeah, but... double I have <laughs> in the Carlton, yeah. But actually, um, on that point, um, the Peter Mac, the old Peter Mac Hospital overlooking the gardens, 
um, is about to be, uh, the government's trying to flog it off and it go to a developer, and the local the local residents are up in arms, um, and they're pretty well-off local residents around there, of course, but they're saying it should be left as some sort of open space or some community facility. Mm. Um, but, it's, but it's one of what the government says are 39 uh, publicly owned parcels of land they're currently considering for sale, rezoning, or significant changes. Um, yeah. Now, these are all sites that, and many of them I'm sure would be in you know, prominent spots near public transport, near mm. facilities, which we would argue wouldn't we ought to be public housing or certainly there should be a fair bit of public housing involved in all this. Absolutely, because public housing does need to be um, located close to transport, close to amenities, um, especially close to hospitals um, and, and other health services. So you're right, like that's probably the ideal location for these, where else would be? Mm. Um, if you're put, putting them out in regional areas, you're going to have to eventually build transport to them, and that's a lot mm. more money. Mm. doesn't always go very well either. So, mm. um, yeah, like I said, I know they need, they need to make money to spend it, um, but surely this is not the only way. It just kind of shows where the, um, the trend that's happening, doesn't it? Mm. These public parcels of land looking to be sold off, the public housing estates looking to be redeveloped. I mean, what's going to be public... What we have left, I think Jeremy Corbyn's got it got it mm. pretty right. Mm. Yeah, and, and well, um, Megan picked up the point earlier. Of course, that they're they're also where they where they are talking about this mixed development uh, with these housing estates. They're threatening to privatise. Effectively, they're 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 calling it social housing again as well. They mm. they they've seemed to have stopped using the words public housing altogether. And it's really important to keep making the distinction between private housing and social housing because they do try to merge the two and slowly, slowly private housing is being pushed down. But it's different. It's very different. And we've worked with private housing and social housing for many years. Um, the issues with... I mean, the, the benefits of public housing is that it is ongoing. It's always 25% of a person's income. Mm. Um, it's adaptable um, and there's very clear procedures and processes for applications um, where somebody gets um, refused and they can appeal. It's all very clear um, and fair. Mm. What is true for one person, you know, the process is the same for the next. When you get to social housing, they often will um, handpick their favourite kind of candidates for that application, the right fit of person. Mm. Um, therefore, a lot of um, culturally diverse people can get overlooked um, and say it's, it's social cleansing in, mm. in a sense. They're, they're picking mm. a, the, the right social mix for them, not for, they're not picking the ones who need it the most or who've been waiting the longest. Mm. Um, and mm. we've seen it, we've seen it happen mm. um, and to, to our clients' benefit sometimes because they get chosen over somebody else. Hmm. Um, but it's it's not not fair. Yeah, it's really good to make clear the distinction between the two, because especially the ongoing part of it. Does that mean that when someone comes into a public housing uh, accommodation, that 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 they have a really long term lease, or how does the lease process work? It is. It's ongoing. So it's just ongoing <laughs> until somebody decides to sell it. Oh. And yeah, it's uh, it is. It's indefinite. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have to you know, be a good tenant. If there's issues with the tenancy, mm -hmm. they work with, with mm -hmm. you. But I mean, the people that we're assisting are um, over over 55s and there's particular um, older person's housing stock that's mm -hmm. designed for, um, you know, all abilities. So 
generally um, they're within other older persons housing stock. So mm. it's a community of older people normally. Yeah. Um, but it, I'll give you an example of what one of the main differences is. In We've had clients in social housing um, where they they get in, they're a partner, a partnership, a married couple. Mm. Um, the, the husband has died and they don't reassess the rent. Um, so that widow has been having to pay double rent, um, else lose her home, and she's mm. not working. She's a pensioner, mm. um, and I know that that would be the case for private rental, mm. but we're not comparing to that because that's not the issue. If we're talking about affordable mm. housing, public mm. housing is on the tenant, and if one of them dies or moves out, as families change often, um, mm. especially with older couples, one one may pass away. So. Mm they will reassess the rent so that one person on a pension can afford it. Um, the social housing providers often don't. Wow, that's a huge difference. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and these are the things that you, you get to know through working with it, mm-hmm. the intricacies of why this won't work mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. why social housing is not public housing. So they can dress it up as, you know, as lovely mm-hmm. as they like, but mm-hmm. the service won't be the same, mm-hmm. not for the tenants. Mm-hmm. One of the fears when social housing began and the church groups kept, particularly kept getting involved in it was that they might start imposing their own moral positions on people. Um, are there any signs of that happening or are they avoiding all that? Um, it's hard for me to say not being on the ground now, but that's kind of along the lines of what I was saying with um, they they do henpick, um, so it, they'll... Mm. they may have to choose from only the top 10 on the list of the public housing wait list. And um, they'll pick the one that most suits them. Now, I don't know if that comes down to religious beliefs, or, but it, it could very, very much so We know it comes down to the, the ability to pay. You know, the, the, so the yes. most destitute don't get picked up, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Well, of yeah. course, that would be one of the factors. Yeah. Wouldn't it? And the, the other thing, too, um, speaking of the ability to pay is... Um, Rent assistance gets paid to the social housing providers. So rent assistance doesn't come into it with public housing. When you're talking of social housing, that tenant is now eligible for rent assistance, but it doesn't go to them. It goes to the social housing provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there are changes in future to that um, to that program, the rent assistance program, mm-hmm. who's going to wear the cost of that? Mm-hmm. So the social housing providers are getting you know, whatever it is, 100 bucks a week or a fortnight, whatever it turns out to be per tenant, if they lose that, they'll be upping the rent for those tenants. Mm. Because they're going to have, that's going to be a huge loss. If any, if there are any changes to that program, which there well could be, um, that's, a, that's a big liability to our clients, to, mm. to tenants. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that need to be addressed if they're talking about um, selling these properties to social housing providers. Mm. Apart from the the government flogging off public land and flogging off public housing to the private sector, um, there are other little matters like there's an estimate at the moment moment that in the city of Melbourne or um, across the the Melbourne, Mooney Valley, Glen Ira, Port Phillip, Yarra and Hobson's Bay, those councils, there's about 20,000 empty properties at the moment. You know, the government's talking Mm. about bringing um, bringing in a vacant vacant rental, what they call it, um, but um, 
nonetheless, uh, there's so much potential for housing people that just isn't being exploited. That's, yeah, that's right. There are other options, aren't there? And they, they need to be um, investigated, not just, um, you know, you don't just jump to the money-making scheme. Let's look into, put the time into really looking at other options. Other countries are doing it. You know, we've got the problem. We've got the people that need to be housed. Like you say, there are empty properties. Mm. Um, we need to look at this. Uh, and I think I saw um, yesterday it was something like 20,000 in Victoria, which is, um, that, that's vacant properties. Um, mm. And it's jumped. Oh, well, there's, tw- there's 20,000 20, 20, in 16 municipalities that were looked at. So that's, um, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was it was a lot anyway. But the I think the most shocking thing was that it was far more than ten years ago. Mm. Um, so we would think, you know, it's more properties, more people housed, that would be great. Um, it just doesn't work that way because you get investors coming in, um, and it just changes changes the whole thing. I mean, that they're empty probably because they're rentals and nobody can afford them. That's one thing. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's a very complex, very complex issue, yeah. I know that, um, mm. and I know it would be very difficult to work out what but, the actual... But it does highlight immorality of a society when yeah. there's all these properties empty and there's people on the streets in Melbourne every night who uh, have nowhere to, nowhere to sleep, nowhere else to sleep but in the open. Mm. Mm. I think um, it's important to always return to that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I know mm. it's complex, but just look at that. Yeah, the humanity of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, uh, soon there's going to be some news on the postal vote. Yeah, and, um, we're getting close to the end of our time. So, um, yeah. was there any well, other question? I don't have any more. Well, I've got Kevin, a few you, bit more. Yeah. We're not going to do it in five minutes, so we'll leave it there. But Crystal, um, you mentioned the data bit, and I mean, I guess it what shows. And I got involved early in the year in chairing a meeting for the Housing Relations Action did. Group, and. Uh, um, so I learned a bit about it, but certainly there's a good story to tell in terms of the data of the group, isn't there? Absolutely. And can I just tell you that last month um, we housed 16 older people into um, long-term affordable housing, which is double what we have been the last few months. That's good news. Yeah. It's amazing is considering that I think it was, um, I don't know, say, let's say about 10 of those or even more, actually. I, mean, I think it was 12 were in public housing. And when there's really very little public housing stock, mm. um, it's, it's really – and we've only got two outreach or two and a half outreach workers. Um, mm. It's incredible. It's really great. Mm. So that's, that's done an amazing job. Um, mm. It's Yeah. And uh, on meetings as well. We've actually got an AGM tomorrow. Um, so we invite anybody to come along to that. It's here at Ross House. Okay, and that's at Ross House, which is in Flinders Lane, of course. But remember, Ross right. House. And yep. um, what time is that tomorrow? Uh, eleven o'clock. 10.30 eleven o'clock. is ten thirty is our registration. Right. Starts at eleven. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be good sandwiches and things afterwards, so people can, <laughs> people can go for ulterior <laughs> reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and good coffee around the corner. Excellent. Okay, yeah. Crystal. Look, thanks for your time today. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks, Kevin. and um, yeah, and good luck with all that work. Anyway. Okay. No, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. All right. Radio. Take care. Bye. Crystal McDonald there is, um, as you can tell, a worker at the House of Gates Action Group and quite enthusiastic. But Yeah. yeah. Interesting well, information. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're back and we're going to get the results in about three minutes. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't think we've got much doubt which way it's going to go, have we? Oh, God. I'm looking forward to a big party today. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, it's a crazy thing. I've been, I've been away for a month and... Um, just to come back and today is the day when the results come out. It's like, 
Yeah, it's yeah. this crazy thing that this is happening. They're but, amazing. Um, they? they they didn't run an argument. Their argument was against, well, it wasn't against the, the issue. It was all about rights, etc. And people voted against that. Now, because people voted against that, they're saying therefore they have what what they voted against has to be taken into consideration. <laughs> and and the, the same people who said, you know, we need a plebiscite. Because Parliament can't vote, are now saying, "Well, now once we've had a survey, the Parliament must vote." Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, you know, they just they just could have just voted in the beginning. Contradiction guys. upon contradiction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But because I'm on the panel, I get to choose the song, and I'm choosing Patti Smith singing "People Have the Power." Just to remember, <laughs> people have the power. So, yeah. Okay, oh, we better tell people next week is I don't know what next week. We maybe John. Far- we're hoping to have John Passant next week. For Talking about economics. Today. Talking about economics. I'm very interested in that. It's a fourth Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's it. Say goodbye, Mick. See you, everybody.